Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Are we ready? We're rolling. We are ready, Dave. I've got a stack ready for you. I don't know if you've got one for me, but I have one for you. Go and on. it's inspired by the fact that there's a lot of talk about people going back on tour. And I stumbled across something about a legendary tour writer on Twitter. And I thought it might be time to, to revisit this rich scene All of right. rock folklore. So here are... Some items on various artists' tour riders, okay? Now, all of them are genuinely true, were genuinely requested, all ten. Oh, really? You have to guess from three possible candidates who the guilty party is, okay? Oh, so whose rider insisted that the dressing room contain a young sapling, no less than four feet, but no higher than six feet tall? Was it? Was it Morrissey? Was it Katie Tunstall? Or is it Chrissy Hines? Okay, a sapling in the dressing room, no less than four feet, but no higher than six feet tall. This is true. All this is true. It's Katie Tunstall. Uh, no, it's Morrissey. It was the last Smiths tour, actually. And isn't that extraordinary? Amazing. I love these things. They're so revealing. Okay, who asked for a Bob Hope impersonator? <laughs> a copy of USA Today featuring at least one humorous story about obese Americans <laughs> and a backstage room to be designed by someone loose but with a little bit of flair. Okay, three options. Here they come. Was it the Beastie Boys? Was it Iggy Pop? Or was it the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> Beastie Boys. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's Iggy Pop, actually. You can imagine it being a beast. Because there is some logic in all this, isn't there? Because the whole idea is that if you put in some strange little thing, then you check that that's been observed. It means that they have read the whole thing. That's absolutely the logic behind all this. That's the logic. That's the kind of... So so you've always got the whip hand over the promoter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Third one, okay. Who, now, I'm sure you'll, get, you'll guess this because it's pretty well known, actually. But uh, who demanded vitamin water to bathe their dogs in? Oh, God, God. An assistant to dispose of their chewing gum, 20 white kittens and 100 white doves, a pink carpet, a pink podium, 
and butterfly-shaped confetti. Was it? Come on Rihanna? down, Mariah Carey. Mariah sure. was Mariah Carey, absolutely. It's true. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's true. It's true. Okay, who asked for DVDs, but with no sports titles? Any magazine that shows us that you have a brain and fantastic interest, but this must not include Spin, Rolling Stone, or People, and their ride are ended with, please make arrangements to deliver leftover food to local soup kitchens or homeless shelters. Was that Garth Brooks? Was it the Foo Fighters? Was it Coldplay? Uh, it's Coldplay. It's Foo Fighters, actually. But again, could be, yeah. could be any. Interesting, isn't it? Very good. Okay. Who insisted on Alcoholics Anonymous local meeting locations, a 12-foot-long boa constrictor, a stainless steel double-bladed combat survival knife, unserrated, and a jar of grey poupon mustard? Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, or Motley Crue? Alice Cooper. Yeah, Motley Crue. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. But again, could have been anyway, couldn't it? Absolutely. No, it's Motley Crue, actually. Okay, who will only perform... When there are three oxygen tanks available, an ENT doctor who must be able to administer a mid-performance B12 shot and plenty of fire extinguishers. Your options are Ozzy Osbourne, Dolly Parton, the Beach Boys. Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. Go on, absolutely. right. Absolutely, you go, absolutely. Okay. Okay, two, three more. Okay. Who won't take to the boards without fresh papaya juice, aromatherapy candles, uh, a carpeted room painted in any dark colour except blue, to be used for meditation. Is it Eminem, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick, it is. Kendrick Lamar. No, no, sorry. No, that's the no, red. Sorry, it's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sorry. So, okay, okay, okay. Okay, this is, a, this is an old age one. Whose contract insists on a medium white Casablanca lily arrangement with weeping eucalyptus and a written list of instructions explaining how to operate all the electronic equipment? for all the members of the band. So is that the Eagles, the Who, or the Stones? <laughs> the Stones. Somebody, it's the Stones, it is. You have to have, in each room, you have to have a, a written instruction on how any piece of electronic... Which seems me, I have to say. That's quite good. a good idea. That's a good idea. I mean, a really good idea. It's a brilliant idea. Easily okay. confused gentleman of a certain age, isn't it? You yeah, and the absolutely. Rolling Stones. <laughs> Completely. Okay, all right. Okay, a couple more. Two, who has... 20 crates of Grey Goose vodka, 15 magnums of, uh, of, uh, of, of champagne, 20 crates of Bacardi rum, and six belly dancers. Pharrell Williams, Kanye West, or Guns N' Roses? Guns N' Roses. It's Pharrell Williams. And wow. lastly, six bottles of Cristal champagne, 10 packets of minstrels and Maltesers, <laughs> two dozen Fin de Clare oysters on ice unopened, and some orchids. Tina Turner, Grace Jones, Brian Ferry. Grace Jones. It is precisely Grace Jones. There's something very, there's something incredibly revealing about it, don't you think? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Very good. Did you see? You learn a lot. <laughs> oh, I, I, so what I learned about, about touring and stage on stage law um, yeah. the other the other the other day that um you know, when there are so few people turning up at a gig that you don't have to do it. The good rule of thumb, I was told by somebody, is if you can beat up the audience, you don't have to do the gig. Have you heard that one before? No. <laughs> no well, you I, beat I, them up. No, I always thought the way they used to put it in the theatre is if the cast outnumber the audience, you don't have to do the show. Whereas that, 
there's there's further extension of it was if you can beat up the audience, you don't That's have to do the show. It's the same thing, same idea. That's fantastic. So I was very. Has anybody with... ever used that clause to get out of playing a game? Well, probably, probably. Uh, I was very taken with this clip of um, Bono's daughter, Eve Hewson, talking about what it was like growing up with Bono for a father. Did we see this? Yes, see I it? heard that. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. There's a description of them going to school, if I remember right. He took her to. He used to, took her, he used to take her to school. He used to. Can you imagine this, boys and girls? On occasions, he would take her to school in his dressing gown to kind of yep. get over what a kind of a crazy, spontaneous guy. And to remind other uh, parents that uh, he, he doesn't have a conventional job and is probably going to go straight back to bed. When he, exactly. He'd, he'd take her in, in his dressing gown, wearing shades, playing the Backstreet Boys really loud from his car, pulling up outside school. Uh, how how mortifying must that be? I mean, it sort of doesn't matter whether your father's a rock star or not. You know, if a father does that, that's just terrible, isn't it? Is there it's ever any excuse dreadful. for that, Alex? What do you think? Uh, not even if you're Bono, no. It's I just... There is. It's, it, it's, it's pretty much, uh, yeah, it's a cardinal sin, I would, I would say. Because the, the basic deal with, and, and this particularly applies to daughters, and it particularly applies to fathers, the most embarrassing person on God's earth is your father. It just is. It doesn't matter who they are. You can't get away from this. It doesn't matter if they're the kind of manager of the, of the, of the local bank or they're a rock star. They are embarrassing. Why? Because they're your father. It's as simple as that. You know. Which is why so many fathers have used that uh, great technique of threatening to dance publicly they, uh, if their children Ken don't Sharp. behave. I'm sure you've done that. Unless you, unless you behave with them, I shall get out of this car, I shall start dancing no, Ken used on the to, edge Ken, of this motorway. Ken was the person who introduced me to this first. Was Ken's uh, kids are a bit older than ours. Yeah. And, uh, he said, I used to do this. We'd be out shopping. You go any any department store or public place. There will be music playing. There just will be nowadays. It happens absolutely all the time. And if your children won't obey you, if they won't, you know, get back to the car park or agree to do whatever you you've wanted them to do, you just start dancing. You just go, oh, the <laughs> music's good. taking me, <laughs> and the kids immediately behave themselves. Because you know that's. Yeah, but I mean, what would have possessed Bono? Bono could. I mean, either go in one or two directions. He could either point up the fact that he's Bono and not try and conceal it, or he could make a really, really concerted effort to behave himself and not be embarrassed. So, what would have possessed him to go in that direction? I have no idea. I can't imagine it's, at sorry, all. I can remember reading an interview on some. I think it was Elvis Costello's some in the early days when Elvis had started to have hits and you. Pick up, pick him up from school occasionally. He said he always used to tell people it was his uncle. He said, Is that Elvis Costello? He said, Yeah, yeah, he's my uncle. And because uh, <laughs> he was just a little bit embarrassed about him having him as his father, which you can sort of understand. Yeah, sure. The most embarrassing, I think, was that story about Phil Collins when he moved to Florida. And then he uh, elected to play the assembly at his daughter's oh, right, school. Yes. Do you remember that? So he arrived and played kind of in the air tonight or whatever oh, on an acoustic no. piano in the assembly hall. Can you imagine how you'd feel? No, not only oh, is your dad Lord. playing at your school, but your dad's also Phil Collins. I mean, that's a double whammy. And your dad's Phil Collins. Your dad's Ouch. Phil Collins. I know, I know. But, but it see, must be absolute 
agony. Was the thing, growing think, up with a rock star. Think back to when you're 14. What do you want the world to think about your father? You want them to think as little as possible about your father. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, that's basically yeah. the deal, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, you'd like him to be there and available and so forth. You wouldn't mind if he came along and watched you play football or came to a school play or anything, as long as he just didn't do anything. As long as he behaved. Put his head above the parapet. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I mean, what? I mean, seriously, I think about this a lot. I mean, what's it like to be, well, I suppose they're all through school now, but David Beckham's children. No, they weren't all yeah, yeah. through school, were they? I mean, you go to any function, you know, parents' evening or school play or whatever, the entire room is focused on one thing and one thing only, your dad, aren't they? Yeah. And, I mean, does that make you feel any better? I can't believe it does at all. No. You know, you don't win any points, do you, with your mates for having, you know, a dad who's a rock star or a football star. Or no, and you would be way, eternally suspicious about anybody wanting to be your friend as being yeah. somebody who just simply wants to mine information about your... And I can understand it. I can remember Jesse Dillon <coughs> giving an interview about a brief period of time when he and Bob Dylan were kind of living together, uh, you know, in the, in the house, and it's just what they did all day. So they'd get up in the morning, and at breakfast they'd talk about what they're going to have for lunch, and then at lunch they'd talk about what they're going to have for supper, and they'd talk a little bit about... Bob's welding that he was doing in the middle. And every single square inch of that, every syllable, seemed fascinating to me. Yeah. It's an amazing insight. And I yeah. wanted to know as much as possible. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help but be interested. So it's only natural that you just want insights into these people's worlds. And um, But you don't want to know about their kids, do you? No, you don't, not remotely. <laughs> That's no. the thing. And also, if the, if the parents try and help, if they feel guilty about the fact that the children are not getting anywhere in the world, then they compensate by giving them money, which makes the situation yeah. worse. Or they try and promote them. Elliot Sumner, do you remember when the police went on that world tour? Was it around 2009, mm. 2010? Huge world tour. Support act, Elliot Sumner. So that Sting's son was the support act, going out every night playing to whatever, 70,000 people. I mean, he couldn't possibly have helped him more, except... Did it give him a career? No. That's what that's what you call Are a hiding. Talking? It's a hiding to nothing. That is, you know, completely. It, it can only fail, can't it? Really. Because uh, there must be rock stars' children who are surgeons and scientists and archaeologists and things, but I don't know if I don't know who they are. But they I've never exist. come across. Mostly they're them. models. They're always a model, an artist, sculptor, poet, you no, know, video you, director, stylist. No, what they are, I'll tell you what they all are. The one to look out for is jewelry designer. Oh, okay. Jewelry designer. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Mick Jagger's daughter. What's she called? What's his little stuff Stella, is it? Um, no. Mary, Mary. Jade. Jade. Ah. Jade, Jade Jagger. Uh, and, of course, the other thing you, you have to bear in mind with rock stars' kids nowadays, is depending on who's, whose kids they are, is that they're not kids anymore, are they? They're in their no. 40s and 50s and so forth, you know? <clears throat> And, and and so many of them have a look of kind of disappointment about that, I know. that life hasn't hasn't dealt hasn't turned out the way they would like it to have done. But you know, no. But I the one that one always well, we've been very impressed by in the past was Bruce Springsteen's son, who's a farmer, isn't he? He's a farmer. So one of his kids, good. yeah, yeah. One, one of, of his kids is a farmer. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Doesn't my it? God, what a what a. I mean, okay, all right. Here's one for you. Any. Any musician stars who are bigger than their musician star parent? Miley Cyrus. 
Miley Cyrus. I would suggest. Miley Cyrus is good. She is bigger than Billy Ray Cyrus. That's true, isn't it? I think. Loud Rain White, right? Bigger than than uh, I mean Rufus Wainwright, bigger than Loud. Maybe not. I don't know. It's arguable. Um, I, I tell you the one I always feel sorry for, and uh, he made a, he made one really good record. Well, I say really good record, nearly really good record. Harper Simon, Paul Simon. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Is it? And um, his first record was really good. But you listened to it, you thought, Do you know, who this sounds like sounds like Paul Simon. <laughs> it's just a. <laughs> It's just a slightly more pallid version of Paul Simon. You know? Yes. How yeah, about yeah. that's the tragedy? Matt Bellamy. Yeah. Matt Bellamy's dad was a member of the Tremolos, I believe. Oh. Matt oh, Bellamy's okay. band is considerably larger than tre- than Tremolos. Oh, that's I don't good. know, Alex. One. I didn't know that. Mm. Was he yeah. in the right? I think he co-wrote Telstar or something like that. Um, no, that Tremolos wow, is not. That's no, no, that's the thing. The tornado. Tornado. Surely, it might no. be. It might be the t- tornadoes. Actually. Um, tornadoes. Oh well, that's a different thing. Yeah. And beginning with T. Sorry. Not as big. <laughs> Not as big. <laughs> but, but no, um, that's. Uh, but Muse are obviously massive, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they were being there also. They are. That's them, a good one. They? Yeah, yeah. That's a good it all, one. It was all Clem, Clem Gattini and all those guys, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. No, the standard thing for the rock musician is to is to employ. Uh, in their businesses, people that they knew from before they were famous. That's a very standard thing, isn't it? Because those are the people you can trust. Anyone you met subsequent to being famous might be looking for something else from you or have a different relationship with you, which is true, isn't it? Yeah. You remember yeah. Bob Dylan used to go on tour with Victor Mamoudis, his old school friend, yeah. and who I think was actually the tour manager at one point. But, I mean, towards the end, I think Victor Mamoudis used to just come on tour with Bob Dylan, put in a very nice room, all around the world, fantastic hotels. And his job was basically to go cycling with Dylan a couple of times a week and play chess with him if he yeah. felt like a game of chess. And you could see you could see what you could see the value in that, really. In the middle of all this chaos, having some old pal who you've known since you were 15. Pretty good, really. Uh, we, we were talking about the uh, the 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 story, the the tragic story, <laughs> the tragic men laughs uh, of of uh, <laughs> Of Tottenham's reserve goalkeeper Joe Hart and his oh, yeah. uh, his faux pas on social media, when Tottenham yeah. su- suffered the latest in a series of embarrassing defeats, and um, and there then appeared on Joe Hart's uh, Twitter campaign the score, and then job done, you know, yeah. a mistake for which he had to you know appear in the public square and scourge himself with satin sackcloth and ashes for a week. Because he then drew attention to the fact that Joe Hart doesn't do his own social media. And that must this be true for so many people. I think this is true for 99 yeah. I mean, I mean, Joe, Joe Hart, you know, what, what does he do every day? He goes to training, he trains for two hours, then he goes home, and then he sits on a bench. He, he doesn't play. If he hasn't got the time to tweet occasionally, who the bloody hell has any time? Anyway, <laughs> he, he presumably just thinks he's too important to do this himself. And so that made me think, who are the rock stars who do their own social media? Of course, they've all got Twitter accounts. And the overwhelming majority of them do not do their own social media. But they, they usually make that fairly clear, don't they? Well, no, I don't think they always make clear. I don't think it's always made made clear at all. You know, they just post kind of um, 
you know, messages saying they got a new record coming out or or they're going yeah. on tour or, or they or, or or they make some kind of comment about Black Lives yeah. Matter or whatever is the whatever is the yeah. the, the issue du jour. But uh, they don't really post much about themselves. And I was thinking one of the rare exceptions and one of the people who has used Twitter to increase his standing is, of course, James Blunt. Oh, James Blunt. Extraordinary. He's amazing on Twitter, yeah. James Blunt. But he's actually, you could argue, he's totally changed, turned his image around. Do you know how many followers? And it started with that, it started with that one about when someone accused him of, I just sort of said how absolutely ghastly and maudlin and syrupy his songs were. And what a dreadful bloke he was. And, and his response was, yes, and mortgage-free. Do you remember that? <laughs> and it suddenly, it, there was another one when someone said, if it wasn't for Twitter, everyone would have forgotten about James Blunt. And he said, and the most relevant you'll ever be is that one time James Blunt once tweeted you. It's, that really, it's a really soft touch, isn't it? Really he has, so brilliant. He has two million followers on Twitter. I know. Two million I know. followers. I've got, a, I've, got, I've got his Twitter page in front of me. Somebody posted, you know, quite recently... Even James Blunt wouldn't go to a James Blunt concert, and then he's answered, unless they paid me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you another brilliant thing he does. If somebody ever pays him a compliment and says, um, I, I heard your album and I was terribly moved by this song. Thanks so much for writing it. He just writes, blocked, <laughs> which is such a funny response, you know. <laughs> so, so so you, tweet, you respond to so people he, who slag you off and then no, no, go on, yeah. Somebody tweets, I can't believe I have a friend who unironically likes James Blunt and finds jeans comfortable. Then James Blunt responds, I can't believe you have a friend either. <laughs> God bless him. I give him I give him huge points for doing this. You know, so he he's one of the few rock stars who does his own uh, does his own tweets unless you know any more does anybody know any more i, I would uh, I, I would wager that ian brown definitely does his own tweets <laughs> ian brown uh, does liam gallagher <laughs> johnny marr does johnny marr's very good all right I, said, I have a new philosophy when i say something that sounds smart then i meant it if i say something that sounds stupid then i didn't now, he's very good i think and he's just <laughs> just shrewd and uh, yeah another example of colorful. of a thing that johnny marr does right that so, john- list Johnny Marr yeah. is the person who won rock and roll, as you, you've decided, haven't you, Alex? Yeah. Indisputably, 100%. I bet he's even an, an embarrassing dad, actually. Probably true. Do you think half the problem with anyone with their own Twitter accounts? They don't want to appear too opinionated. If you're a very famous person, you appear opinionated about things. It can alienate the people who follow you. No, that's true. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. not, it's not just you know, your political allegiance or whatever. If you're fiercely for or against something, yeah, but uh, your followers feel op- the other way about it. it. Might put them off. So that's why I think people tend to be a little bit, um, a little bit beige sometimes yes. in their response. Yeah, they're rather bland, aren't they? Yeah. Have you guys yeah. come across Liam Gallagher's Twitter? No, go on. He has. He go does on. it. Definitely does it himself. Uh, he currently has. Do you want to know how many followers he's got? Guess. Go on. Go on. Four well, million. It's going to be in the two million. It's Three point four million followers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Example tweet. Come on. <laughs> Is that it? That was it. Another one? Okay. Afternoon. <laughs> uh, another one? Uh, what a day for getting absolutely wankered in a pub, in capitals. 
God, this is it's this riveting powerful philosophical stuff, Abs- isn't it? Absolute poetry. Yep. 3.4 million followers. All right. Cristiano Ronaldo, the footballer. Yes. Ronaldo. How many followers? Five million. Uh, it's got to be in the 10 millions. It's got to be huge, isn't it? Go on. Give me a guess. Give me a guess. Ten, ten and a half million. Up. Oh, wow. 30 million. Up. From 30. Good God. Go 50. On. Up. 72.5. You've got to go a bit <laughs> higher than that. A hundred million. Down a tiny bit. 91.7. Give us some examples of, uh, of his uh, cheery banter. Muiti importante comezar an noso colifacio para campeonato do mundo com un vittorio. Parabens equipa. Well done, the team, I think. Something like that. They, they Portugal, yeah. Portugal the got, through, got, through a, got through a round last night. So 91 oh points. I'm, I'm saying, Liam Gallagher, James Blunt, you've got a way to go, really. You've got a way to go. You've got a way to Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. It is 50 years ago this weekend since Emerson, Lake and Palmer played uh, pictures at an exhibition at Newcastle City Hall. And it was recorded for a live album which sold loads and really made Emerson, Lake and Palmer as kind of household names in the UK. And they used to make loads. There was a bit of a flowering of um, live albums in the early 70s. And they did a surprising number of these were recorded in the northeast of England, in Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, whatever, because they used to say that the audiences were, were more, more vocal in, the, in that part of the world. And you get an idea of why they recorded these things in the northeast of England from the reaction of the audience to when he introduces the tunes they're about to do next. You see, 
straight away like that. That's the kind of that's the kind of response that you got in the northeast of England in those days. Absolute mania. Well, well, and that was because what? Because they were just more appreciative than the yeah, London more, crowd. There's more. Thank appreciative. you for coming all this way. But it's, I think it's really interesting. This whole business of the kind of the the way that that live albums were developed in the early seventies, so that they were kind of dramatic audio versions of gigs, weren't they? And so completely. And it's really interesting how it changes from a year earlier. I've got here. That's the Who. I'll start that again. Yeah. That's the Who doing it live at Leeds, and they start substitute. Now, normally, you would have thought any in any time from sort of 1965 to the present day, if the Who start playing the cause to substitute, you hear the audience go, yes, don't you, straight away, because they yeah. recognise it. Listen for that in Leeds in 1970. There's just none, is there, at all. There's no noise, because... The audience were they weren't, not mic'd up? They weren't really yeah. mic'd. No, that's it. And and that's the difference. And uh, we were we were talking uh, to Simon Spence this week, who wrote the book about Steve Marriott, about humble pie, which is round about this time, isn't it? Humble yeah. pie do yeah. the uh, do the show at, at the Fillmore, which produces Rock On and so forth. And when and it's really good recording of the performance. And when they're just mixing it, the, the manager, D'Anthony, who's a kind of old hand, old Las Vegas hand, comes in and says, you can't hear the audience. He said, well, why do you want to hear the audience? He said, You've got to hear the audience. And so if you listen to Humble Pie, they eventually just turn up the audience really loud. So yeah, that's a yeah. huge part of the excitement. And so you get this famous drama, you know, uh, between uh, Steve Marriott and the audience, which you can hear on the, this. Uh, this is a particularly famous example of it. Here we go. I remember that so vividly, don't you? Everybody used because to. Because every, uh, my theory about that is, is there are there are musical moments in those live albums that are moments of great theatre, but also it's the stage announcements too. It is. No, if you look at Woodstock, it was that kind of New York State throughways closed, man. Those were the things you remembered. That was the kind of the brown acid is not specifically too good. You know, I can remember us, you know, at school, you know, just, you know, that we use those expressions all the time. How was your supper? Not specifically too good. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the, the, the A303 is closed, man. You know, it's that, that whole idea of, you know, what we have in mind is breakfast in bed for 400,000 people. The Stones, the Stones on, was it Get Your Yaya's out, where he says, uh, I think I busted a button on my trousers. Uh, you, you, don't you don't want my trousers to fall down. You do you? I can remember that vividly. Before we went out, it was, it was a tradition. He said, how, how was everybody? He said, I think I bust a button on my trousers. You don't want me trousers to fall down, do you? We thought this was hilarious. And it was those moments, it was those spoken moments that actually made those records so memorable. Well, I've, got another, the, I've got another one what? lined up here from the same time. Also from, I think, last month, 1971. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Allman Brothers are playing oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Fillmore East. And... Um, and, and 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 somebody shouts something from the crowd, 
which pretty much went into history because it's it captured captured on this live album. So here we go. We got a little number from our first album we're going to do for you. Barry starts her up. There you go. Whipping post. <laughs> Somebody shouts whipping post. Anybody post. listening of a certain age will get Absolutely. that Absolutely. You'd go to rock festivals in the early 70s, there'd be a pause, and somebody's go, whipping post. <laughs> It didn't matter what band were on stage. Whipping post. And it became so... To the extent that Frank Zappa, didn't Frank Zappa... Frank Zappa started doing whipping post live on stage because it was just, it was such a joke, you know. So funny. It absolutely fascinates me, all this stuff. The other got... live albums is they were they, they, they were kind of greatest hits too, weren't they? It was a way oh, yeah, of getting yeah, yeah. all the songs that really worked. That live, uh, Allman Brothers at the Fillmore East, that that was what kind of broke them really wasn't oh, it? Oh, was definitely. All the songs that worked in their set. No doubt. Uh, all done and and the Dead, the Dead Skull and Roses album, the, the album of Grateful Dead. That's a really interesting one because fifty percent of that is not songs by the Grateful Dead. They're old Merle Haggard songs and Buddy yeah. Holly songs and uh, Chuck Berry songs. You know, just really the brevity, it was spare, as fast moving, and uh, it just it, it just connected. I'll tell you another case where where the, the onstage announcement became so important. Um, and I think this record, I think, comes out in 1970. And, yeah. and the fact that it starts with this, you know, it was such an important um, statement for the group to make. So um, let's see if we can hear this. Here we go. He seems to be ready. Are you ready? For the next time. We're sorry for the delay. There's loads, there's loads of things there. It's meant to sound like a bootleg, isn't it? It's meant to sound so, yeah. as if it's not been accurately recorded. But also the idea, the greatest rock and roll band in the world. The, world. the idea that you... piece of branding. <laughs> Brilliant piece of banding. Because once you've done it, nobody else can do it. You know, no. you are the first person. And I suppose and they I can g- remember hearing that and thinking, absolutely, it never crossed your mind there could be a better one. It's the Rolling Stones, of course it is. And I suppose they got that idea, actually, if you go back uh, from this, which was recorded in late 1962, came out in 1963. See if you know this one. So now, listen, gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? Oh, yeah. With this, is this James Brown? Thank you, and thank you James very Brown. kindly. It is yeah. indeed a great pleasure to present to you at this particular time, national and international known as the hardest working man, man in show business. business. Man is saying, I'll go crazy. <laughs> very good. And then he just, uh, just runs through all the hits. But, you know, once you've called yourself the hardest working man in show business, you know, nobody else can claim that at all. You know, it's such such an important thing. And it is. But I found this. The first live album I remember hearing again and again was a friend of mine at school bought this in 1963 or 64. And this was marketed as Chuck Berry on stage. And we were 13, 14, and we were naive and the hi-fi... Were, we, we didn't have a hi-fi, you know, it was a little dance at record player or whatever. So what, what was not obvious to us at the time 
would be obvious to anybody hearing it nowadays. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rodney Jones. Welcoming you to the beautiful Tivoli Theatre here in Chicago. That's not live at all. For it's showtime once again. And this evening we proudly present the young man that made very, very popular, Maybelline. Memphis, serving USA, and some new favorites, ladies and gentlemen, that you haven't heard before. Let's give a nice Chicago welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the one, the only, Chuck Crazy Legs Barry. <laughs> crazy Legs Barry. Uh, that is about says Crazy Legs. That is about as live as uh, as Millie Vanilli. As you can hear this when they. <laughs> Those are just the studio recordings with massively overdubbed applause. Uh, and Brilliant. if you if you find it on Spotify now, which you can, it says with overdubbed applause to make it plain to you what was going on. Um, but it's but it works. That's really good. It has, well. It doesn't sound convincing at it's all. It's fraudulent, but it's but, it's, it's, but quite, do you, it's quite Do you remember from 1964-65, the Rolling Stones' original EP got live if you want it? Yeah. Where the opening yeah. track... Do you remember what the opening track is? Go on. The opening track is called We Want the Stones, and it just goes like this. That's <laughs> really <laughs> I don't, yeah, the, 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 who gets are, the royalties for that? They, they, I will absolutely who gets the royalties. And also, yeah, when they when they start playing, they don't sound very live to me. It sounds as if it sounds as if they've done absolutely the same thing with them with it. Um, but it, it it just fascinates one of the greatest bits of applause for, for uh, I think was the Bangladesh record, which also came out in seventy one, wasn't it? Seventy two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is which has got some lovely moments on. It's a lovely bit where which I always find so embarrassing. Do you remember when Ravi Shankar comes on and um, they yeah. start noodling about, and then he says there's huge applause when they stop about a minute later, and he says if you enjoyed the tuning so much, I I hope you enjoy the music more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how kind of gullible and keen the audience yeah, are. I think absolutely. he's actually started the show. No, but it's a bit where George Harrison says I'd like to bring on a friend of us all, Mr. Bob Dylan, and it was the most deafening sound you'd ever heard in your life. Yeah, yeah. and I remember you. I used to think you should lift that off and just stick that on any live album. That was the greatest, greatest possible. Welcome anybody could get, but well, another one's free, free in Sunderland. Well, free. Do you remember that was. Now, was that, have uh, a listen to this. Because oh, have you got that? Okay, I've got this because you can hear the guy, the local promoter, uh, introduced them, and it really is like somebody introducing somebody at a working men's club. It's like wheel tappers and shunters. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, uh, The group is now like, going to appear. The group is now going to appear, so let's have some order. Let's see if I can get that back to the beginning. Um, that is just glorious. Here we go. That's wonderful. All right. The group is now going to appear, so let's have some order. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> of course, the thing that everybody forgets is that free in those days used to get screamed at. 
Oh, yeah. yeah Major yeah. sex symbols. That's, there they were. Oh, yes, glorious But didn't stuff. they use some of that applause from the Sunderland gigs and put them on other tracks? Or they did, because the crowds yeah. up there were always better. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they they took that stuff around. But they always say in the world of canned laughter that the best laughs uh, that are used on American TV shows still to this day were laughed in the 50s. Yeah. So very often you when you're hearing canned laughter... Is it the Lucy show? There's something The Lucy show, was Bill Coe. That's right. Like that. And... Bill Coe. Uh, you're listening to the laughter of long dead people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but my favourite... Long dead gags. My absolute favourite kind of dram dramatised and spoken introduction to a gig is, is this. Um, here we oh, go. I know what you're going to play. <laughs> here we go. The most downbeat... No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, it's not that. OK. The Sad oh, yes. is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band. And the man is Frank Sinatra. Now, I think you say somewhat un under-impressed audience, really. They go, oh, Frank Sinatra, yeah. oh, OK. He's yeah, with the Count Basie. OK, enough. that's quite good. Just another Tuesday night. <laughs> where, yeah. where, did, where did I park my car? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he's, his opening line is just brilliant. How did all these people get in my room? How did all these people get in my room? <laughs> That's a gag that's been used by politicians over the years, isn't it? Yeah, it's a brilliant gag. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. God, you'd like to have been there. Wouldn't you? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. That would be fun. Fantastic. So if anybody's got any favourites... Um, I thought you were going to play the Tim Buckley intro. Oh, I can do that. This have you is, got it? Because it's this just, is... if you want a complete contrast yes. to all the thought and precision and drama that's gone into that Frank Sinatra, then try this. <laughs> if you want to know, if you want to know how unimpressed the hippie audience were in, I think this is 1969, is it? He comes over and yeah. plays, is it, is it Queen Elizabeth Hall? Or, Queen Elizabeth yeah. Hall, I think, probably. And, uh, okay, you're going to have to listen very carefully um, because <laughs> it's so low-key. But it's certainly worth hearing. Here we go. It's Pete Trump. And you can hear his footsteps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am uh, a little perturbed about this. I just came with <laughs> a ticket to sit down in my seat, and somebody said, Hey, you're going to come and introduce Tim. So I said, oh, well, all right. It's a great pleasure, actually, to introduce Tim Buckley to you. This is his first solo concert in this country, and it really promises to be quite a night. So I'll just bring him out now. Tim Buckley. <laughs> everything about that is Absolutely awful, everything. Absolutely terrible. The, there's nobody in the really audience. weird. I was just walking, I was yeah. like, take my seat. It's like a really weird thing happened, you know. There's no, there's no, there's nobody in the audience whooping or other, other you know, no. nobody, it's just a regular Saturday night, you know, we just thought we'd give this a try. Um, yeah. we didn't know people would still be talking about it, you know, 50, 50 plus years later. 
So yeah. if anybody's got any nominations for uh, bits of banter from live albums or particularly interesting crowd reactions, uh, let us know. What's the address, Alex? It is uh, London at gmail.com. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. A lot of people, you know, Mark, come up to me in the street and they say, you do wonderful work, you're Mark Allen and Alex Gold, but is there any way that I can help in a more material way with the, with the work that you're doing? And I say, it's interesting you should ask because there is a scheme whereby you can do more than sending us your good wishes and, um, and you know, <laughs> beneficial thoughts. You can actually contribute in a material way by becoming a Patreon supporter. How would I do that, they say? I say, it's quite easy. Do you have a pencil and a piece of paper? You go to patreon.com slash word of your ear, and there you will find laid out in front of you the various different ways that you can get involved. That might start with, well, they're all modest contributions, but it might start, start with pocket money. And that might go a little bit higher. And you can decide what you want to do. And who knows, if you've got a birthday coming up soon, the notion of Mark Allen and myself... Which is the cherry on the cake. Clambering down down your digital drain pipe to go through your stuff. Which Uh, is such fun. We've we've done quite a few of these. It's brilliant. And, so anybody uh, who joins the top layer, uh, top layer gets on their birthday a special visit from us. Or they can absolutely. show off their fabulous record collection. So if you go to patreon.com slash word in your ear, you find out ways that you can do this. And, of course, you can also get involved with things like the Friday Night Quiz, uh, which is just about to start a new season, isn't it, Alex? It is indeed. Uh, we've just sent out the... Um, the prize to the winner of the of the previous you know season of so it's a uh, clean slate as from from Easter Friday yeah. isn't it it's a brand new episode start all again you know so if you feel that you, now you might have a shot at getting the prize Friday is the time to join us but you can only do that if you're a Patreon supporter. Uh, what else do we have? We have further word in your ears, word in your attic, crowdcast, and so forth. <laughs> The only way you made sure Brown coming out, and we did Craig Craig Brown Brown coming out. Fantastic. And that will go first of all to Patreon supporters and then then to a wider circulation. But the only one way to make sure you get all this stuff, you get it in in pictures as well as words, and uh, and you get it first in in full. And that's by becoming a Patreon supporter. Uh, And so, do we have anything further to add? This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.